Welcome to Financial Plan and Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planner, and I'm joined today with Nick DeVito, who is one of my staff associates, also an advisor. Um, what we're talking about today is kind of a case study. Now, you know, it's just, names have been changed to protect the innocent <laughs> and all that stuff, like Dragnet, I remember from, you probably don't know that. Um, this is an example of someone who comes in to see us for one thing and we uncover a whole lot of things that they never even knew. Now, again, what we're also doing is we're kind of piling on a little bit. Now, the purpose of that is more so to just give examples of real life things that happen that we encounter or may encounter or you may encounter. So, you know, if we just sort of open the can of worms and pile on and everything else like that, it gives us the ability to talk about a lot of different topics in the world of financial planning uh, that may apply to you. Um, and we're covering just about everything that happens in this one. So, uh, you ready? Absolutely. All right. So we got this, um, we call them Ethan and Kathy. Just because. <laughs> so I, I will say in this particular instance, which is not uncommon, someone says, I want to talk to you about tax planning and tax planning strategies. I saw you on the website. I see that you got all kinds of cool stuff going on. And I said, all right, fine, let's go. We'll have a meeting. And, you know, they send me all kinds of stuff in advance. We review it. We evaluate it. And we sit down and we talk to the people. And, and generally speaking, and I always like to say, uh, working with a good financial planner is like going to the doctor for a complete physical. You know, you may go in and say, hey, you know, my shoulder hurts. Well, you know what? Uh, the doctor's going to give you a complete, hopefully, give you a complete physical. And if in doing so, all of a sudden you realize you got an issue with your ankle and you got high blood pressure and diabetes and heart disease and all kinds of other crap. Um, you know, we just want to make sure, hey, if we're going to be talking about one thing, let's see if we can get efficient in all kinds of others. And in light of his, I want to talk about tax planning. I want to save money on taxes. Well, of all the different areas of financial planning, tax planning is the one that is absolutely infiltrates its way into everything else. But again, uh, we piled on on this one just so that we have things to talk about in this particular mm -hmm. episode. So here we go. So we got this couple. You want to read them off? Yeah, sure. So we have a couple, Ethan and Kathy. They are both age 34, and they have two young children. Um, they earn roughly $230,000 in income between the two of them. And on top of that, Ethan has a side business in which he earns about $50,000. His company does offer an employer stock participation program, which he has $12,000 of. And then he also has a 401k, and with that, he has a 401k loan of $25,000. And he also has a personal loan of $29,000, and that loan is at 10%. And then he also is offered disability and life insurance through his All right, so let's talk about some of these things. First of all, they're young. They have children, okay? What's one of the first things we ask them? Do you have a will? Do you have a will? And, of course, they didn't have a will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, again, you know, but it's one thing you want to find out. Do you have a will? Okay, what's the purpose of a will? Well, basically two things. What happens if Ethan and Kathy both die? Mm -hmm. Who takes care of the kids? 
Secondarily is if both of them die, what happens to their assets? You know, it's kind of easy. It's never easy. If one person dies, it's very simple. It's the other person. Yeah. You know, if Ethan were to die, you know, Kathy takes over, mm -hmm. you know, the, the child care and everything else like that. Yep. The assets go to Kathy and vice versa. No will. Holy smokes. Okay. So th that's one of the things that we do during the course of our discovery of learning information. So Ethan makes a good salary. Okay. And Kathy's part-time. Why? Because she's raising the children. Yeah. Very common. We see it all the time. All right. And he has a side business, which no kidding you have tax issues. Yeah. Okay. He's like, how come I'm paying so much in taxes? Mm -hmm. Maybe because of the fact that you have a side business that you're not withholding for. Or he gets a tax bill at the end of the year and he has to pay a penalty. Yeah. What gives here? I mean, we see it all the time. People have a, if they have, they do have a regular job, regular job, and then they have their side business. With your tra traditional jobs, you're going to have your employer withhold the taxes from it. Now, right. with your side business, that onus falls on you. So that you is really correct. have to remember to be on top of that. Right. So that raises the question of there's a couple different ways, and we've had episodes on this that talks about tax withholding, et cetera, et cetera, is, you know, when it comes to tax planning, you just want to make sure, I mean, first of all, it's one thing to pay taxes. All right. Nobody likes it, but it's a necessary evil or necessary, but <laughs> it's certainly an evil. And then tax penalty is stupid. All right. If you know that you're going to owe them $10,000, that's one thing. But to pay a penalty on top of it, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So then it becomes, how do we do it? We could do quarterly estimated tax payments based on this 50000 that mm -hmm. he's earning on the side. Or we could say, hey, you know, we estimate how much the tax is. We take a look at their income and we say, hey, your, your tax bill associated with the 50000 we ascertain you're going to be taxed in a 24% tax bracket. That's $12,000. You can either pay them $3,000 a quarter, or if you don't feel like stroking checks every quarter to the government, well, then just figure out a way to withhold an extra $1,000 a month from your $500 every pay yeah. from your paycheck, right? So at the end of the day, two things happen. Number one, rather than having a stinking $12,000, nobody likes those surprises, which he's never surprised. Yeah. He always knows it happens, but how do I fix this? Well, you don't have that $12,000 surprise at the end of the year because it's always more than you expected and it's always too much money. Mm -hmm. And secondly is you're avoiding the penalty. So you just do some of those things. All right, what else did we encounter? Well, okay, so... He's got an ESPP, an employer stock purchase program. That opens a new door. Cool, you got an ESPP. How much are you contributing? How does it work? Well, I know we had a program just on ESPPs, but let's just talk about it real briefly. An ESPP gives you the ability to contribute out of your paycheck up to a certain percentage of your income can go to buy the company stock. Well, here's what's cool. They give you a discount. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, ESPPs have a variety. I mean, again, it depends on the company. But what it does and the purpose of it is that if you're buying the company stock, then you're hopefully sort of saying, hey, you know what? I want my company stock to do better. How does it do better? By my doing a better job, hopefully. Okay. But uh, it's encouraging employees to participate in the benefit of the company. Well, you contribute up to 10% of your pay after tax and you're buying the company stock. But here's what's cool, is they usually give you a discount. Oftentimes, the discount is 15%. And what happens is that you're contributing 
whatever you're contributing on a payroll basis to buy the stock. But what they do is they just accumulate the assets. And let's just say it's 100 bucks a, a, a week. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the quarter is 13 weeks, 1300 bucks. What they do is then they take the 1300 bucks and buy the stock. And they give you a 15% discount. Mm -hmm. This is a beautiful thing. But wait a minute, time out. That's not fair. The stock ran up this quarter. I'm paying the high price. Oh, not quite. But it gets better. <laughs> because usually what the ESPPs do is they give you the lowest price of either the ending point or the beginning point of the quarter. So if a particular stock goes from $30 to $40, at the end of the quarter, you're like, instead of buying it at 40 bucks, you get to buy it at 30 bucks yeah. and Plus your discount. Your 15% <laughs> discount. Dude, you're buying it like $25 a share mm -hmm. for a stock that's worth 40. Not a bad deal. Sweet. Okay. Now, mind you, they kind of get you back a little bit from taxes. Some of it is considered capital gain and some of it is considered uh, income for the purpose of um, ordinary income. But be that as it may, I'd rather get free money and pay tax on it than not get free money at all. Okay. So he has one of those programs available. And... In my opinion, I think it actually takes precedence over the 401k from an investment perspective as long as you're getting your company match. Yeah. All right. So we run into this all the time. You know, somebody has the ESPP and then they have their 401k and they're plowing all their money into one or the other. They go, well, wait a minute. You know, your 401k, if you're getting a dollar for dollar match, you get a 100% rate of return on your money. You do that and make sure you get your 100%. But if you got another investment that's getting a guaranteed 15 mm -hmm. on the lower part, well, that's another good place to go. Yeah. Okay. So herein lies just an opportunity to talk to the client. Again, the whole thing is about educating the client. Okay. Because if the client is educated and understand, it enables them to, to, to make some of these decisions on their own. I always believe one of my philosophies is a ancient Chinese proverb, I think is you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach a man to fish, he eats for the rest of his life. And so, same thing, I, I kind of throw that in. It's like, I can make a recommendation to a client. They might do it. But if I show them why they benefit from it, they're a whole lot more apt to embrace it. Yep. Okay, and that's what we try to do. So anyway, we're teaching about the ESPP. And then... We notice he has a 401k loan. Yep. Or he told us he has a 401k loan. Okay. And so how do we know? Because one of the things that we do is we always look at their paycheck yep. and dissect it. Uh -huh. We dissect a, the paycheck. You can learn a lot from a paycheck. Oh, it, it'll show you, you what they're contributing to their 401k, whether they have loans. Are they doing life insurance? Are they, do they get disability insurance? The ESPP shows up on it. Right. That. And are they doing disability pre-tax or post-tax? It's amazing uh -huh. what you can acquire from a pay stub. So we identify, all right, hey, he's got a 401k loan. Mm -hmm. And we also noticed he's contributing, it was like... Less than a percent. Yeah, it was like a percent, yeah. something like that. We're like, what that all about? Yeah. You know, it seems weird. Mm -hmm. You know, does your company match? And I know the company because of the fact that I've got other clients who work for that company. So immediately, this is great, you know, they sent us the stuff. What it does is it opens the door. So here he thought he was going to talk to us about tax planning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, we're going to talk about it, but boy, oh boy, we're going to come up with all kinds of other cool stuff. Yep. All right. So we talked to him, explain, hey, do you realize that 
you're not contributing enough to your 401k. I'm sorry, yes, to your 401k. Mm -hmm. Is, oh, well, I just reduced my 401k because my loan was costing me a lot of no. money. Well, okay, fine. Let's figure out a different way. Because as we discussed a couple moments ago, your best place to make money is a 100% match in your 401k. And he has been with the company for plenty of years. He's 100% vested. Yep. So it's not like his first year he's not getting investing. Missing out on free money. Uh, missing out on free money, absolutely. Then we saw the 401k loan. So we explained how the loan works and mm -hmm. everything else like that. And we've talked about this in other episodes, in other things about employee benefits, about year and tax planning. Uh, just make sure that the client understands how the loan works and that if he ever left the company, the ramifications associated with a the loan. Then he has a personal loan that he took out for $29,000 that he's paying 10% loan payments. Yep. All right? And we're like, okay, fine. Not fine, but 10%, today's day and age could is not. Could be worse. Could be worse. Could be worse. But his 401k loan, he's paying 6% uh, to himself. Okay, given mm -hmm. the two, I'd rather pay 6% to myself than 10% to the bank. Yeah. But just explain it, mm -hmm. okay? And then, he just explained that he has you know, all of his benefits. He's got a pension, he's got life insurance and disability insurance to work, which we dove into. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we've also talked about that in other episodes. But now what it did is he opened up the door and said, all right, he's got a bunch of debt here. And you know what we like to do is the best way, your best investment is usually paying off debt. Yeah. All right, take for instance, a 10% debt. If someone has a 10% debt, they actually have to earn like 14% on an investment to net 10% by the time you pay taxes yep. and everything else like that. So you look at it and say, well, gee, you got an investment over here that you're contributing to or over here or whatever. You say, go, well, wait a minute, let's redirect where your money's going. Again, this is cash management which is one of the areas of financial planning. Yep. It's looking at the now, but what it's doing is it's maximizing cash flow efficiency, tax efficiency, interest rate efficiencies, and all that stuff, mm -hmm. okay? So it gave us the opportunity to be talking about all that stuff, which we had the ability to do. Now, we're at a point, we're gonna get into this a little bit more, but we're at a point, we're at a break, a good breaking point, we're at a break. So stay tuned, we'll be back with you in just a few moments. Do you keep up regularly with your investments? Where exactly are your hard-earned dollars going? Are you financially prepared for an emergency? I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. We believe that education and knowledge are powerful and we want our clients to understand why we are making the recommendations that we make. It's your money and you deserve to know where it's going because it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. So call us today to discuss your financial concerns. Welcome back to Financial Plan and Explain. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, and I'm here with Nick DeVito, another one of my advisors. And we're doing a case study, uh, which I overloaded with all kinds of cool stuff <laughs> just for the sake of being able to talk about it. Um, and so we talked about a lot of the things that during the course of our discovery in our first meeting, you know, you sit down and you take a look at all their stuff. It's like mm -hmm. the doctor doing the physical. Yep. Okay, but it's a complete physical that we're capable of doing immediately, not having to wait for test results to come back. And so we identified a lot of things. And as we're identifying, 
we regurgitate the same information that we're seeing. We talked about it. You look at the pay stub. Holy smokes, the yeah. information you get from the pay stub. So, you know, our meetings oftentimes are almost three hours. Mm -hmm. You know, people act like, how in the world can you do three hours? And, you know, stick me in the meeting, anything can happen. All right? <laughs> That's true. So, um, so then what we did is, all right, so we went back to, all right, hey, wh what are your goals, objectives? What do you want to do? So really, he talked about, you know, the original, what got him in the door is he wanted to maximize tax efficiency. Yeah. He, you know, he's tired of paying taxes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then he also said, well, look, you know, he's got all this debt. I want to pay off my loans, et cetera, et cetera. And at the same time, I'd like to save for retirement. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm like, okay, these are standard things that people, nobody wants to pay more taxes than they have to. Everybody wants to save for retirement. And if anybody's in debt, they want to get out of debt. Yeah. That's standard. And I think that's anybody has that. Now, some people come to us and they don't have any debt, which is fine. But this is standard type of thing. So what did we identify is we identified a few things. Mm -hmm. He's not making his full company match. Missing out on that free money. Right. So fortunately, in this particular instance, he only did that once he took his 401k loan, so it was only a few months, we said, step that up. Yeah, that right. cash flow, we've talked about this before, when you do take that 401k loan and you're not necessarily anticipating down the road that you're gonna be having to pay that back within five years and then, and then you're still wanna keep up your same 401k contributions, right. cash flow can get a little tight. Right, exactly. So you just gotta plan for that. Exactly, exactly. And then what was the other things? So he wanted to pay off the loan, um, His loan on both the 401k, which was a five-year loan, and the loan that he took from the bank to do debt consolidation, he took it out as a two-year loan. Yeah. And mind you, his loan interest rate was 10%. It's not good, but then again, in today's interest rate environments, lines of credit are eight. Yeah. Okay? So it's not a bad loan, but what he did is he created a tremendous, you like wrap, yeah. wrap that noose around your neck from cash flow yep. because he was paying almost $1,500 to $2,000 a month just for that stinking loan. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, if your cash flow is that restricted, and this is what we recommend to a lot of people, like me, I get loans. You know, get a loan to buy something, whatever the case may be. I, I'm granted the opportunity. I can take a 10-year loan, a five-year loan, or a two-year loan. And if the interest rate's the same for all of them, well, gosh darn it, I'm taking the 10-year loan. With the knowledge in my head, I want to pay it off in two. Mm -hmm. So if I want to pay it off in two and it's $2,000 a month, but stretched out over 10 years, it's $300 a month. Hey, I'm taking the $300 a month as long as I'm savvy. Yeah. I'll take the $300 and I'm going to pay two because then I can get out of the books in two years. But in this particular situation, it's like if they're struggling with cash flow, then stretch that loan out. Yeah. Go back to the bank, refinance the loan, make it a five-year loan, make it a 10-year loan, however you want to do it, but look at refinancing that loan with the bank, mm -hmm. okay? Reduce your obligation because if you don't have the money to be able to make the contribution to your, um, uh, to your 401k, and gosh darn it. So then we were looking at his life and disability mm -hmm. coverage because obviously we saw on his paycheck that he's paying for a little bit and he's getting a little bit. And we also saw that there, 
you know, that, that, that there's the imputed income. Yeah. He's like, ah, the imputed income. It looks like you wonder how much they pay. He said, well, one-time salary. I said, yep, that's what I figured. And especially in their case, when you're looking at a dual-income household and the majority of the income is coming from one person, that's when you really need to make sure they're protected, adequately protected when it comes to disability in life because the loss of their income is substantial relative to the loss of the spouse's income. Correct. So you want to make sure they're adequately, adequately covered there. Right, and they weren't. Yeah. And so fortunately in their case, um, they were only about a month away from open, open enrollment, enrollment yeah. which enabled them to go ahead and make the changes which they're able to do immediately. And ironically, as we talked about with age bands, 34 is going to be cheap. Mm -hmm. Okay, next year when he turns 35, hit rates go up. And what we'll look at next year is a um, private insurance, a private insurance plan outside so that it'll actually be cheaper, assuming that he is above average mm -hmm. health. Yep. Okay, so we looked at that. Didn't have disability insurance. Okay, it was offered to him. Mm -hmm. Okay, actually, we don't know whether it was offered to him. Find out when an open enrollment comes yeah. up. Pick up the phone, give us a call. We can help you and guide you through the open enrollment, which we do with a lot of our clients. Hey, you know what? We realize a lot of this stuff is Greek. Okay, it's Greek to you. So if you have any questions, pick up the phone and call us and, and we'll help you out. So didn't have wills in place and oh my goodness if he didn't run out the day next day and get wills yeah. i mean I, I hate to scare people i mean but it's the truth i mean yeah. you know if something happened to him and his wife they're in the hurt locker for protecting their children mm -hmm. and you know who's going to take care of them and everything else like that and as far as i know they went out and got the wills done which you know, took my, it gives me anxiety. Oh yeah, well, because at the end of the day, do you want to decide what happens to your money and oh, your children, yeah. or do you want to let the government decide what happens to your money oh, and your Absolutely, children? and the thing is, is that when I have a client that I see have that happen, it gives, it gives me angst. Oh, yeah. I, I'm like, oh my goodness, they're like naked, mm -hmm. and that just scares the daylights out of me. Yeah. So the other thing is, you know, we're trying to reconfigure their cash flow and the timing was good, because in the event that they want to increase their contribution to the 401k. And the ESPP, in their case, is a really good plan. Mm -hmm. In fact, what one could do is increase their contribution to their ESPP to the full 10%. And I've done this plenty of times before in the past. And they say, well, Mike, how am I going to afford it? I know that. Okay, you only really have to worry about affording it for the first quarter. Okay, first of all, you got to look at the summary plan description yep. of the ESPP. If the ESPP does not have a restriction as to how long you have to hold on to the stock, one thing you could do is every quarter at the end when you get your stock, you immediately yep, sell it. Now you got the cash in the bank. You got the cash in the bank to fund you making the payments over mm -hmm. the next quarter, and you keep doing this until such time you catch up. Yeah. And at some point you're gonna catch up and you're gonna be ahead of the game where you're making the ESPP payments and you don't have to sell your stock. Yeah. Okay. But that helped him there. Furthermore, it enabled him to raise his 401k contributions mm -hmm. to now get the full company match. Okay. And then we looked at it and said, hey, you know, let's look at your particular company. How's your company doing? We pull up the chart. 
Not very well. <laughs> okay, great. So your company's not doing very well with time and where we project and it's, you know, passing no judgment, but he's got a loan for 10%. I said, look, I said, you got 12 grand in your ESPP. Mm -hmm. We can sell it. Take that 12 grand, pay down the 29,000. Yep. Okay. Take the remaining 17, stretch it out over five years, and suddenly his $2,000 a month payment ends up being about $300 a month. That if he wanted to pay it off in two years, it would be a whole lot less than 2000 Okay. And so we reconfigure everything to accomplish. All, by the way, he's got a tax bill coming. Okay, and if he knows that he's got a tax bill coming, either now he can start socking the money away through payroll deduction or what have you to pay the tax bill. And so yep. there are just so many nifty, nifty, cool things that one can do in these situations. So let's flip to the next slide and we'll talk about some of the um, strategies that we applied. Ah, that's right. We said get yourself a line of credit. Mm -hmm. Okay, the home equity line of credit, and we talked about this. I mean, you talk about the home equity. How does it work? Yeah, so essentially, if you're a homeowner, um, they'll give you roughly eight, they'll take 80% of the value of your home, and then from that, they'll subtract whatever your mortgage is. And the rest of it is and equity. And then the rest is an equity that you can then draw on, like essentially loaning from yourself through a bank, but it's loaning off your own equity. So with that, it gives you extra liquidity. So if your cash flow is stressed, like in their case it is, it does allow you that extra liquidity to kind of get it's yourself- It's a place to go. It's, yeah, gives you that savings, right. an emergency reserve type of right. account. Right, exactly. And in fact, in some cases, we've taken and used the home equity line of credit for debt consolidation. Yeah. All right, now, the interest rate on the home equity line of credit is a floating rate, which means that when the Fed raises interest rates by a quarter percent, that day, your interest rate goes up by a quarter percent. If the Fed lowers it by a half a percent, that day, your interest goes down by a half a percent. Many economists, investors believe that the Fed is just about done raising interest rates. And if that's the case, then your rate shouldn't go up more. One could argue that first of all, in their particular case, they could have refinanced the loan, or if they feel as though through cash flow, and we've done this with other cases, in their, if in a different case, they feel that their cash flow, they're normally ahead, they just got themselves in a bind, what you do is you could take out the home equity line of credit, use it to pay off some of your other loans for instance, that one loan that was at 29000 for two years, it's killing them yeah. from a cash flow. 8% is cheaper than 10%. That's number one. Number two, typically the minimum payment on a home equity line of credit is the interest on the loan, which at 8% basically is two-thirds of a percent, two-thirds, nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay? His interest payment something to the tune of like $70, okay, on a monthly basis. Now, that doesn't mean not to pay it down, but what it does is it enables one to play the shell game with their debts, the shell game with their uh, cash flow to be able to utilize it. In his case, you sit here, you take some of the money from the uh, ESPP, you drop it and pay off a portion of the loan, take the line of credit, pay off the rest of the loan, save a couple thousand dollars in cash flow, yep. 
jack up your 401k to get the match. And in his case, we took a look at it. He's got a pension. We projected out that his tax brackets were going to be higher in retirement than they are today. And now we're in a position of saying, hey, why in the world are you contributing to a tax deductible 401k when you can contribute to the Roth 401k yep. in his particular situation? Drug. It made sense. Yep. So all these things are just kind of like another day in the life of. <laughs> but, you know, this is cool. I mean, so, so again, we're wrapping up this episode, but these... We're using a real life example, kind of piling on with some different things. But what it does is it provides us with the opportunity to share really nifty, cool ideas that probably most people watching will be able to glean something out of this and be able to use it for your particular situation. So uh, with that, I'm wrapping up. Thank you very much for being with me again, Nick, today, although me. I spoke 95% <laughs> of the time today. Um, but thank you, the viewer mostly, for joining. And again, if you learn something, then that makes our show a success. Thank you. You have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. I look forward to having you on my next episode.